0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. It's been such a privilege for us to be here today. Uh, It's a special day for you. Uh, I'm aware of that. I I wanted to say what I said this morning, that uh, your pastors are two of my favorite people. They just are. Absolutely. They're two of my favorite people, and uh, we don't spend a lot of time together, but we admire them from afar, and i tell you why we admire them from afar. Because when we've had time together and we've connected, um, I find their humility admirable. Uh, for what they're doing here in this locality, in this church, is quite incredible. And I I love their authentic, gritty faith. And uh, you are where you are today because of what they've been doing and how they've been praying and what they've been implementing into this church. And I don't know if you know that today is uh, Pastor Appreciation Day and so, now I've just gotta be honest with you, it's an American thing, it isn't here in, uh, in Britain, but I just think it's a great opportunity on this special day to just show our appreciation to our pastors. Yeah. Let's show honor where honor's due, come on. That's right. So good. So good. They're they're brilliant. And today, I've just adopted them. I've, myself, have adopted them as our pastors. And we've been like, oh, amazing. I want to say this to you. Honestly, you're an incredible bunch of people. Uh, this morning we came in right at the beginning uh, of the first meeting and we stood at the front uh, not knowing what to expect. We've never been here before and, and literally God ambushed us. It was like in the worship, we j- I just started breaking down and I, I, I said to God, I said, you've not brought me here just to minister to others. I think you brought me here to be ministered to. And so your band uh, tonight and this morning, what an incredible band. And you need to show appreciation to them as well. They're brilliant. They're so good. So good. Awesome. Awesome. So good. So it's uh, an important day for you today. You know, I just don't believe today is about uh, money or financial issues. I think it's about a shift in the atmosphere of this house. And so if you look at today as just being about an an offering that you're bringing to God, then you're you're mistaken. It's more than that. And uh, I want to speak to you today based on a scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. This service that you perform, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Now, I was raised in a working class family. Uh, my family didn't have a lot. We were raised on a, a council estate in uh, the Northwest in Lancashire, Bolton, yay, and um I now live in Wales, you can tell I'm not Welsh, I've been there nearly 23 years, I've seen God work incredibly, Uh, but that's where I was raised, my dad still lives in the house that I was raised in, and uh, he still hasn't bought it or invested into it because he's never had the money, and uh, uh, they were hard-working people. My mum, she worked part-time in the laundrette opposite our house, and and she was part-time at home. She wanted to be at home with the kids and and love them and raise them well and do what she wanted to do. And and, and my dad, uh, we didn't have a lot. And my dad, to just keep us afloat financially, he worked for a season of time three jobs. And I remember as a kid, you know, uh, hearing him getting up and leaving the house at 3 a.m. in the morning. And we didn't see him all day until about 6 p.m. when he came in and he ate his food and then he slept. Until the next day, year after year, he did that for us. And now, when I lived on this estate, I would say there were three levels of poverty. Um, The first level was this. There was the poor, poor, which I had friends who were really poor. I mean, the par- parents didn't have a job, and they, they struggled to get by, and I had friends who, who had nothing. They, they, some of them didn't have a carpet on the floor. And then there were the plain poor, which I classed as me. Uh, we, we were regular, a working class family, and, and, and we did our best to get by. And then there was what I would call the posh poor. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met the posh poor before but one of my friends were posh poor and I, I knew she was posh poor because when i went to her house her family could afford a car and we didn't uh, in fact her house they were a f- they could have a driveway uh, in their garden and guess what we didn't and if you were raised on a council estate back in the 70s and in the 80s to have a driveway was really startling. It was like, ooh, they're posh. Now, I know that's not the case now, but that's how it was then. And, and, and they could go on holidays. Guess what? My family couldn't. We didn't. And, and one thing in particular, they had a, a telephone in the house. Now, I know for many of you of your generation, that means nothing. And the telephone that I'm going to talk about is the one that you dialed took half an hour to go back round. Uh, it was, it, I mean, if you look now, they're in museums. That's where they are. And then um, we, we was, uh, it was about in 1982 and most of you weren't even born then. And I'm feeling right like a relic <laughs> stood up here. And uh, we, we got a telephone in the house. And I remember, you know, we all memorized the number uh, 493428. That's what our number was. We memorized it that well. And um, we, we were looking at this telephone. We were so uh, lacking. We sat around waiting for it to ring for the first time. We're like, and then when it rang, it was like, whoa, what did you do with that? We, we just didn't know how to handle Anything that was a blessing to us as a family because we we weren't used to it. That being said, my parents were one of the, two of the most generous people I know. I look back and I feel I had a a blessed life. Um, But it wasn't because of what I had, it was because of who they were. You know, my parents, I observed them as a child that they always gave. So if someone needed their time, they gave it. And if someone needed uh, some money, if they had it, they gave it. And then if someone needed possessions, guess what? They They gave it. And and what I realized is it, it, for them, when I look back, it it wasn't about what they didn't have, it's what they did with what they did have. And and that has taught me something over my lifetime that generosity is not about what we have, it's what we we don't have, it's about what we do with what we have. I remember one Christmas, it was December, it was a cold Christmas evening and and, uh, there was a knock at the door And uh, we went to the door, it was normally carol singers, but this night in particular was um, a lady stood at the door and and she was poor. I mean, really poor. We knew her on the estate. She looked uh, shabby, she looked unkept, and uh, she looked unloved. And I just remember as a young girl looking at her and looking at my mum and seeing what her response would be because, you know, this woman, she, she was looking to pay for her electric by singing carols on our door. So she stood there and, you know, she sang one line of a song and then went like that. And I'm like, I was young and... I was immature and I was a bit arrogant and I just stood there and went like, oh. that night mum didn't have anything in her purse, nothing. She didn't have anything to give and, and, and she couldn't bear that this woman in need would walk away with nothing. So what happened then is I stood there and I'm between the woman at the door and my mum to my left and Mom then started to walk down the corridor into the cloakroom under the stairs. And she came out with a coat. And I looked at my mum, looked at the woman, and I thought, that is my coat. <laughs> and, and when I looked at, at my mum, I, I just thought, that's not just my coat, that is my favorite coat and I could see what was gonna happen next. So I stood there and I, I said to mom, whoa, just one moment, that is my coat. And then she looked at me with those eyes that always looked with the eyes of compassion to see anyone in need, and she looked me in the eye and she said, she needs it more than you in my arrogance as a young girl, I looked at her, looked at the lady on the door, and I just said, make her sing for it. Make her sing for it. I want to talk to you tonight, not just about generosity, I want to talk to you about something far greater. I want to talk to you about priestly generosity. In verse 12, in the Passion Version of what we just read, it says this, it says, the priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, but it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. Now, the context in which this has been written it's speaking about Christians in Macedonia who are going through trials. They're going through severe persecutions. Yet there's Christians in Jerusalem who are experiencing famine. And it says this they're giving to people in need. And in chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, and this is a key their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty wells up into rich generosity. Imagine that. How can that be? How can overflowing joy and extreme poverty well up into rich generosity? You know what that scripture teaches us as a church, as God's people? It teaches us this. It teaches us that our our generosity is not an issue of wealth. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue not of what we have, but how we're willing to give of anything that we have. And also, what is glaringly obvious is that it is a product of who we are. It's a product of who you are, not of what you have. I don't know if many of you have have read the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Show of hands, anyone read that book? Great book, you ought to get it. It will help you in your life and in your ministry. It's a book that talks about, he calls something in the book scarcity mentality. And uh, let me explain what that means. That means he explains this, that a person with a scarcity mentality, it's not about uh, what they have. It's a mindset that they carry. So he talks about a scarcity mentality in one person is that they view life like a pie. And, and there is only one pie. And if a piece of the pie is given somewhere else, then they look at the empty spot and they say, I have less. They look at what they lack like and they say, I like. I have less. They forget to look at the three quarters of the pie that they still have and celebrate. Their dominant thoughts of what they feel that has been lost from them. That is what a scarcity mentality is. You know, when I wasn't raised in church, and you probably can tell from the story earlier that I wasn't raised in church. That was pretty obvious. Um, and I had a, a great job as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, and I had good money. I had an exciting life, and, uh, and then God called me to come to him, and I had a revelation of his goodness, and I was undone. Uh, I, I give my life to him. That happened about 25, 26 years ago, and uh, I've never been the same since. I've been totally transformed. But when I was born again, I I recognized I carried a scarcity mentality. And that scarcity mentality that I carried was this, is that when I came into the house of God and, 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 and then I heard about tithes and offerings, for example, and I just thought, what? I was back to the child again that said, this is my money. I've earned this money. I've worked hard for my money, and it was the only a work of grace in me and a work of God in me that started to cause me to see that it's all his money. He's the one who blessed me with the job. He's the one who blessed me with, with the good pay. He's the one who blessed me with it all, and if, if he requires a tenth of my pie, then he will have a tenth of my pie. And... and I look then at the nine tenths, and I look and I think, how blessed am I? But I didn't do that back then. I didn't look at what I had. I looked at what I felt that I'd lost. But I want to tell you something tonight. Whatever you give to God tonight, anytime, whether it's in service, uh, whether it is financially, whatever it is you give to God, God will multiply. Uh, I can't explain it to you, but when you give of something to God, you make a transaction that is supernatural. You say, you know, give me the math. I can't give you the math. I just know I've lived it, I've experienced it. it you know, it's the only thing that God says in Scripture test me on it. You know, Almighty God says, He's like, it's going, come on. Test me on this. There's nothing else in scripture that he says test me on. But giving finance to God. Come on then. Test me on it. He's looking at you in the eyes tonight and he's saying, I know you need to pay your fees. I know you're only a young adult and, and money's tight. But he's saying, come on. Come on. Test me on it. Test me on it. You know, whatever you give to God will multiply. It just happens. There's a transaction in heaven, it's supernatural. However, whatever you hold on to, just letting you know, you keep. You keep. I got a tenner in my pocket, and um, I can give it tonight and watch it multiply, but I can keep it in my pocket, and hey, I walk out with a tenner. Who loses? I'm going to give to the offering tonight. In fact, our church is giving to the offering tonight. And I'll tell you why. It's not because we're here today. It's just uh, we want to be a part of the miracle that is going to be unleashed in this whole house, this whole church. uh, That's going to be unleashed. I don't want to talk to you about giving today and not give. But I don't want to talk to you about giving today and sense the blessing of God that is in this house and then step back and talk to you about miracles without stepping into the boat with you and saying, we're joining you. I want to be part of the miracle that God is doing in this house. But listen, God cannot multiply what he doesn't have. He just can't. He can't multiply seed that isn't sown. So today as you pledge or you give, whatever it is, you're not giving something away. It's far bigger than that. You're investing into God's business here in Coventry. You're investing into God's vision for Coventry. You're not losing, you're gaining. You know 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it, It's an incredible scripture and and many of you know what it is. It says you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And I I just want to remind you all tonight, that's not just a position in Christ. It's a perspective on life. You are a royal priesthood. You are royalty tonight. When you walk out of these doors and you walk into your house, whatever your house or your circumstances look like, you are royalty. It's what you walk in and it's what you carry. And God has called us to be people who walk with a priestly spirit and not a poverty spirit in our world. You know, I believe that God wants to set some people free tonight. He wants to bless some people and help us to see that we're far bigger and we're far able than we think we are because what we do is we look at what we haven't got that other people may have and then we judge ourselves based on what we haven't got. But you're a royal priesthood. You know the poverty spirit, it it lives in this one-dimensional world. It's just as simple as this. I've learned from my own life is this, that the poverty spirit doesn't give, it holds onto just in case God doesn't come through. You know, you hear preachers like me and and those preachers, they say, you know, if you give, God will multiply. It's a supernatural transaction. And we all go, and then we go, hey, but, but. What about the bills tomorrow? Well, I'm not discouraging you from paying your bills. That's uh, being integrous and you ought to pay your bills and all of that, but gets in the way of us having a blessing into our life. The poverty spirit will try and lie to you and tell you what you can't do. The poverty spirit will be a thief to your life, and I'll tell you why it will thief from your life, because it'll tell you that you shouldn't do things for God and you shouldn't give to the house of God because. And so you won't give, and so you miss out on the miracle of what's gonna happen by the end of tonight. You miss out on the miracle of being that giver, whether it be little or large. Whatever it is, whatever your offering is, it's not about the size. It's about the heart. Yeah. And so you miss out on the miracle because you sit and think, well, I can't bring anything to God. But you could, if you brought 10 pence to God tonight and you were given all you could, God smiles down on that. He smiles down on that. You know, five years ago, Martin alluded to it. It's actually five and a half years now, but we had a vision from God to embark on a multi-million pound building project, which started off, by the way, at 3.2 million. Av knows all the numbers. And uh, things went pear-shaped along the journey and ended up being five point three, two, three along the journey. And... Um, we were in the early days, we were discussing uh, what, uh, how we're going to fundraise, what we're gonna, how we're going to get the money, and um, we were doing everything we could to get the money to start this building project. And we got a letter as a, as a leadership team from a church in Wales that was struggling. Now they weren't struggling by any fault of their own. there were no uh, issues, but they needed money and they needed it fast. Uh, they were in dire straits. And so we sat as a leadership team and we kind of said, we just feel God wants us to do something about this. God wants us to give something to this church. And so we discussed and considered and, and then we just came to the decision that we would give this church from our church and plant a seed of 20,000 um, pound. Now, did we have it? We did. But had we fought for it? Had we scraped and scrimped for it? Yes. Did we need it? Yes, we needed it. But did this other church want it? And did God ask us to give it? Yes. So we were like, oh, well, we need need it for our building project. And they need it. But God said, give it. So we'll give it away. Now, we went to our church and we many times went to our church and we said, hey, uh, God has given us a grant for our building of 50,000. Everyone go, whoa, yay. We'd all cheer and we're dead excited. And then there were one day that I got up on the stage and I said, hey, everybody, you'll never guess that God has called us to give 20,000 pounds away to another church. And it was like, they were all, "Yeah." yeah. What? What? We need it. And we were like, you know, we need it. And that's why tonight we need to sow it because we need it. Now, on that, let me just summarize. Since that day of planting a 20,000 pound seed, God has given back a 100 fold back to us. 100 fold. 100 fold. That means that we have received from a 20,000 20, pound seed, 2 million pounds back into the church in, in Newtown, Mid Wales. I, I think God needs some praise for that. And let me tell you, how it's come. There's been favour on grants, applications for grants but we have had some divine connections with unknown sources. We have had anonymous checks for a sum up to £100,000, anonymous donations to the church. And we're sat back and thinking, I wonder if I hadn't have give, we hadn't have give the 20K in the first place. I wonder what it would have happened if we hadn't have done that. I wonder if we hadn't had sowed it, what would have happened? You see, if you don't sow the seed God gives you, God can't increase the store of your seed. You cannot reap what you haven't sown. However, you can keep the seed that you already have. You know, the priestly spirit that God is calling us to uh, as the people of God, as a church and as a family. Now, we, you've adopted us into your family. Like, we own this. We own this today. It lives from a fourth dimension. And, and, and this is the fourth dimension where it looks like. It's not about what we have or don't have. It's about what he has. And so we invest with the mindset of what he has, not what I have or have not got. We uh, have learned so many lessons over these last five and a half years. One thing we've learned is that God has plenty. Yeah. He has plenty, and and as you give tonight, as you pledge tonight, I will guarantee that God will pour out in some way, in some measure, into your life because you can't outgive God, and He says, "Test me on this tonight. Test me." that i will prove to you that i will pour out into your life it's in the scripture i love this scripture in 1 kings 10:13 the queen of sheba she visits solomon and she's coming to test him with hard questions she's not a happy camper And she's coming to challenge him, but when she arrives and she sees the blessing of God on Solomon and all of his household, the Bible says this, that she took her breath away. It took her breath away. She looked and she came to confront him, but then in the end, she just went, she couldn't believe what God had done. She couldn't believe what, how, Solomon was blessed. But what intrigues me more, it says this in verse 13, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked for. I mean, imagine that. She's the queen. She's got loads. She's loaded. But she goes around uh Solomon's household and all that he has, and she walks around, clearly, because she desired whatever she asked. I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have that. And he's like, take it. All right, then. Get it on your camel. If it fits. Yeah, take it. Take it. Take it. And, and then the scripture says, you know, I, I, when I look at that, I, I think, you know, I think she'd be really happy to go away as queen having everything and, and then saying to Solomon, I, and I want that and I want that, I want that. I think, don't you, that I'd be a happy camper walking away as queen with all the stuff that I required. But then the scripture says this, it says, besides, so she got whatever she asked for, And then it says, besides what Solomon had given her, according to the royal generosity. That's what it says. And the Hebrew word for that word generosity is this word, yad. And it literally means this, the royal open hand. So the queen, she comes and she says, I love all this. Yeah, I have it. But that's not good enough for me. It's like Solomon, that. Isn't good enough for me. That might be good enough for you, but what's good enough for the king, for the for the royalty, is an open hand. It's everything that I possess. I can give to you. And I, I just want to speak into the house tonight that. God is, is calling us as his people to be people who uh, walk in a priestly spirit, that walk with an open royal hand. Do you ever wonder uh, what God could do through ordinary you? Do you ever wonder that? I do, all the time. Listen, I might be up here, but I'm, I'm pretty ordinary. Uh, why I'm up here is because God chose to put me here, but... Literally, you know my background. You know I was raised in a, just a regular council house, working house family. But do you ever wonder what God could do through ordinary you? And Because I want to break something here in, in, in the house. I, I want to tell you that God is looking for generous spirits. In service, in contribution, in, in giving of kindness, in encouragement, in, in, in uh, honour in the house. He's looking for generous hearts. And, but tonight in particular, he, he wants to unlock some people who are bound by the spirit of poverty. that keep thing that holding on to is going to help you. But he's going to say, no, letting go and releasing with a, a royal open hand is going to release you. He's going to release you tonight. Some of you are going to come forward and you've, you've sought God and you know what God has asked for from you. And as you release it into the baskets, as you release it, you'll, you'll sense a release in your spirit. You'll sense that God is unlocking something in you. And I want to tell you, church, when I, I've been speaking to uh, Martin and Esther this weekend. And there's a, there's a passion on this house for Coventry. There's a passion on this house for this city. And, and I want to make it clear, God needs every generation in this house to make a significant exchange with him and make a transaction in the supernatural, not just the old, not just the, the Gen Xers, which is me, not just the boomers, not just the traditional, but he needs the millennials and he needs everyone on board. Come and say, and I'm going to bring what I have. To you, I'm gonna finish with this. I wanna tell you tonight that generosity is not merely about giving, but it's about awakening. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 25, talking about people far from God, it says your surprising generosity, your surprising generosity will awaken their conscience and God will reward you with favor. That is the power of priestly generosity. That it is so above and beyond the normal that the people who are far from God are shocked at how you give as a church. They're shocked at what this church accomplishes through the generosity of the people. They're shocked so much that it wakens their conscience to God's existence. Imagine that. Your vision, your passion as a church is to reach your city, is it not? And so when you give and people step back and see the abundance of this house, see the abundance of what God is doing in your lives individually, they see what God has done, they will step back and go, and become aware of the goodness of God. You know what, I, I can speak on behalf of Av and myself today. We felt kindred spirits with you as we've come because you're a church that are pushing boundaries. You don't realize this, you live here. You're a church that the whole of the nation are talking about. I think that's pretty good. I'd have give myself a clap. <laughs> come on. You need to honor what God is doing in this house. It it isn't the regular thing that I see everywhere I go. And your generosity tonight could unlock some things in your life, but not just that. Uh, Your generosity tonight is going to transform your communities. It's going to transform your families. It's going to transform your city. You are a leading light as a church in transforming the city of Coventry. And I'm just going to say, as the scripture says, that the favor of God is going to pour out upon you. And you're in a season now. As I finish, you're in a season. And something's going to change soon. You're going to be looking for it in the natural. You won't find it there. It's in the spiritual. There's something going to shift and there'll be times when on a Sunday, you'll be going, what's just, what's happening? What is happening? And um, you're not going to be able to figure it out because there's a supernatural transaction going on in the atmosphere. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand. You know, I think back to when I was a child and my mom was thinking about giving and I was thinking about keeping. You ever been that person? My mom's heart was thinking about others. My heart was thinking about me. And I came to this conclusion that after all that God's done for me, after everything he's done for me, he gave his life for me. And I just come to this conclusion, you know, throughout my life, I, I, whatever it may be, I never want to be that person who makes God sing for my generosity. Where I think, ah, perform more, God, perform more. Sing more, God, I'm not quite ready to give. I just, I just don't want to make him sing for my generosity after all that he's given to me it's just an unthinkable thought and so I'm going to pray with you and you know you might be a guest here tonight you may have come in and just to you know enjoy and um, but I mean I'm, I'm, and you can participate in this but I, I want to talk to everyone who is here because this is your home I want you if you could raise your hands towards heaven Raise your hands towards heaven. Today's like it's sacred, it feels sacred. It's it's one of those holy moments. And so, Father, before we make any moves to make a supernatural transaction and this exchange with you, God, we just. Um, surrender ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to the future that you have for us in this house. We surrender everything that we are and everything that you're going to do. And we just say, count us in, count us in. Not just just counting our finances in, count us in. Count our gift in, count our energy in, count our passion in, count who we are in, count our intelligence in, count us in, God that this generation in this room will be pushing ahead. So the older generations like me and the ones ahead of me will just feel pushed and energized with passion because of the fire of God that's going on in this room. And so, Father, we thank you for every penny you've given us that we are allowed and able to give tonight. The earth is the Lord, and everything in it and so we give you praise tonight and I think on the back of that let's give God a shout of praise in the house because of his goodness to us his goodness to us all his goodness to this church and his goodness to Coventry because you exist in Coventry it will be changed by the goodness of God amen amen come on